a happy uh, Groundhog, I, I confirmed that it is singular, right? Groundhog Day, not Groundhog's Day. There is one, right? Uh, Punxsutawney Phil. Uh, yeah, some of you love him, that's great. <laughs> Nothing like a weather predicting rodent to get the crowd engaged. I have been told by somebody from my native state of Ohio that there is a rival to Phil known as Buckeye Chuck. Now I know that no, many of you think nothing good or very little good comes from Ohio, so you'll probably dismiss Buckeye Chuck and we'll just stick with Punxsutawney Phil. I have no idea what his uh, prediction was this morning. I don't know if we're looking at an early spring or a lot more winter, have no idea. Uh, but I do know that it is a day, you know, we're kind of like you know, a, a month into the year, uh, winter is, we're kind of in the middle-ish of winter, and I, I do know that it is a day that can either bring uh, a lot of hope, like, man, well, maybe if he is right and spring is just around the corner, my spirits start to lift a little bit, and uh, if instead uh, he uh, predicts that uh, winter is going to be a lot longer, that can bring discouragement for, uh, for some of us who uh, aren't necessarily into that kind of thing. Some of you also might be fans of the movie known uh, as Groundhog Day. Some of you may not. You might not be a Bill Murray fan or a fan of that movie, but uh, that movie, if you remember, also is a reminder uh, at times this, this day uh, because it's the same day that happens over and over and over and over and over and over again. I think there's an idea, too, in that of, uh, of that repetition that there is a, a, a little bit of, of, of spiritual aspect to that whole idea of repetition. We're going to talk a little bit about that today because I, what I'd like for you to, to think about, whether you're feeling hopeful or discouraged this morning, whether you're feeling like life is full of like a lot of thrills and a lot of excitement and a lot of things that are the changes that, 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 are, that are making you like almost like it really gets you up charged in the morning or you're feeling like kind of like it's the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. So whichever kind of those themes that you might be feeling today, regardless of all of that, I'm going to encourage all of us and more importantly than me, the writer of Hebrews, and more importantly than him or her, God himself is going to encourage all of us to stay the course, to stay the course. So if you would, would you look at those three verses? I've got them listed there in your notes. You can look off your own app or whatever if you want as well. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Let's read those first three verses of Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we also, also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. Father God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you be our teacher today? We know that you're here in, in our midst because you uh, have promised us that. And so we can count on that. But God, as we, as we look into your word and as we kind of reflect as to where we're at in our walk with you, where we're at in terms of hopefulness or discouragement, in terms of feeling excited or maybe feeling a little bit down about where we're at with you and where we're at generally with life, God, we pray 
that beyond all of that and cutting through all of that, that your Holy Spirit would remind us of this powerful truth that the writer of Hebrews shared many years ago. And I believe, Lord, you're speaking to us today. So we pray, God, that you would be our teacher. We pray, Lord, that you would change us. We pray, as I often do, God, that it wouldn't be about information today that we have, but about transformation that you bring about in our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Therefore, since we have this great cloud of witnesses. Now, oftentimes it's been uh, taken, this verse has been taken to mean that people are looking down on us kind of like from the heavenly stands. That they are in those stands, they're cheering us on as we run. But I think, and I would just encourage you, and we, we don't know for sure, but I'd encourage you to maybe think about it a little bit different way. But in, that instead of them watching us as we are engaged in this race, I would encourage you to think about perhaps it's the other way around. It's about us taking a look at them. The context of this uh, chapter 12, you can see it begins with a therefore, and for the interest of time, we're not going to go back into Hebrews chapter 11, but what Hebrews chapter 11 is, it's basically a hall of fame, of faith, of people who have faced incredibly adverse circumstances, and and some, in fact, have very graphically and and unbelievably, uh, according to scripture, were sawn in two. Uh, from what we know about history, the, the, the way in which that would happen is literally the person would be put inside a hollowed out uh, a tree, basically. And then as it would, they would commence in sawing through that hollowed out tree and then, of course, through the flesh and bone and everything of that individual. Some people had paid that kind of price and, 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 and they had faced incredible difficult circumstances. And the writer of Hebrews wants to remind us that our lives at at sometimes can be very, very difficult. And what I would say when he says uh, in these these verses that that we have this large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, again, I would encourage you to think about the fact that he is asking us to take a look at their lives, to contemplate or to consider their lives. And not only that, but think about the lives of people that have walked faithfully that you have observed up close and personally firsthand. Think about those people that would inspire you. Think about the people right now that you know are going through difficult times and their faith is standing strong. Think about those people in the history of the church that have again faced persecution, tragedy, difficulty, mistreatment, racism, persecution, and their faith never waned. Take a look at them. Consider that incredible, not only those that are in Hebrews 11, yes, those are great. The biblical, certainly the biblical characters, the ones that that we have from the biblical record are wonderful to check out and look at their faithfulness to see how they stayed true to their, in, in their lives. But also there are some people sitting in this room today and I know, I know sometimes we, we, we have this sense of who, who me, I, I, just little old me, I, I'm not an example of anything that I would want anyone else to model after, but you are. Remember, all those people that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11 are just normal, average, everyday women and men just like you and me. They're not some sort of immortals. They're not like, 
half God, half human. They're just normal everyday people who were God followers, God chasers. And in this room, there are some of you, you know, if I, if I ask you to say their name or write it down right now, there will be some of you who would, of course, there may be a family member, a, a parent or a, a sibling or an uncle. For some of you, it might have been a, a, a coach or a teacher or somebody that worked with you in your youth group. For those of you who grew up in a church, for those of you who didn't, maybe, maybe it's new relationships that you're building with people as they're demonstrating faithfulness. Take a look at their lives. Consider them and, and, and remember this incredible thing that we have known as the family of God, the community of saints, the body of Christ. Those who are right here and we have this incredible gift to be able to see each other's lives. It also reminds us that people are watching our lives. Take a look. Take a look to the, you, you, can, you, can, you can be inspired. We're, we, when we consider, the, again, the, the women and men in, in Hebrews chapter 11, when we consider all the, the, the women and men that, that have, um, you know, uh, have made influences on our lives, it's unfortunate that oftentimes what we vow, what we lift up as heroes in, in our culture, or maybe like, actors or athletes or politicians or musicians or artists of some sort we lift up people like that but there are heroes of the faith sitting in this room there are heroes in this faith that, have, that are part of all churches all around the world that are demonstrating a commitment to jesus who's your hero who are those people that you can look at and see they they're not perfect because no one is. They're not a perfect example, but they are a living example of faith, of resiliency, of commitment, of love, compassion, grace, gentleness, kindness. I see Jesus in them. To stay the course, one of the ways that, 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 uh, that we are helped to stay the course is to see others who are staying the course. Because I think that's one of the things that's, that's important we, when, when we have this, the scriptural record and, the, and we have, the, the, again, the, the, the privilege of being able to, to be involved in, in worship services and small groups and Bible classes and spiritual conversations. That's all great. It's all wonderful. But also it is helpful to have examples of those who are living it out so we can model our lives after them. Follow me. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, Paul said to the ancient Christians. And so for you to have someone that you can take a look at and inspire you, who can we look to that will show us, again, not a perfect example, but a living example of someone who is a Jesus follower. So take a look, take a look. We have this large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And since we have the, that, that large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, the writer of Hebrews says, then let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. So the writer of Hebrews is gonna say, shed some weight. Shed some LBs. I've heard and seen like a little bit of advertisement that the biggest loser is getting a reboot, right? I think. Maybe Bob Harper is going to be the guy, kind of. I think he's the lead guy in that. Somebody's a Bob Harper fan, all right? I think I heard a woo over there. Um, and, you know, 
the, the, the biggest loser, there's lots of, I, I don't want to say controversy, but some people hate it, some people love it, some people think it's good, some people not so great, all of that. Not to get into a discussion of that, but one of the things that you maybe have seen if you've ever watched one episode of it is at one point when some of the contestants have lost some of the weight, they will have them do some sort of physical activity with the amount of weight they had lost back piled onto them, right? It's typically made to look like, like not good too, but the weight of that, and, and they're always like, man, I can't believe that I used to have to walk or run or d- just go around life with this much extra stuff. And when Paul says to, to the, those believers, let us lay aside every hindrance, that first word, hindrance, is uh, just that very thing. It's just, it literally means a mass. It literally means something which causes something else to bulge. That's all it is. Like the bulging, like if you, you know when you, when you overfill your trash bag, and, and, it's, and it's like, it's, you feel like it's just about ready to break. You've got it to its like testing point of uh, the amount of stuff that you can jam into that. And it's like bulging out. That's what that word is. It's just this idea of this mass. It, it, and it's, it's interesting when, when, when uh, the writer of Hebrews says that. I think I said Paul earlier. And I, I, that was a, a little bit of a, a Freudian slip there. Sorry. So. Uh, when, he, when he says this, this hindrance to lay aside every hindrance, notice that it, it may not, may I suggest to you that it may not be something necessarily sinful, inherently sinful. It might just be something that's weighing you down from staying the course. It might be something that actually could be good, but it's just not Jesus. <laughs> it's just not the thing. It may be a thing. And so there, there, there certainly are things in all of our lives that we're involved in. Again, is it wrong to have hobbies? Is it wrong uh, to go on vacations? Is it, is it wrong to be involved in, in, in fitness? Is it wrong to, to have an interest that you like, uh, things that you like to read about? Is it, is it wrong to have a family? Is it wrong to work? Is it wrong to save for retirement? No, none of those things are inherently in and of themselves wrong or sinful, but they can become weighty in our lives. They can become, instead of things that are freeing for us, they can be things that are just a mass that weighs us down. And so the writer of Hebrews says, shed that weight, let that fall off of you. And not only that, but also the sin that so easily ensnares, some translations say entangles. It's a, it's a, it's a word that, it's an interesting word, it's only used here in the entire New Testament. That makes it what's known as a hapax legomena, in case you care. But that word means skillfully surrounding a competitor, thwarting a runner in every direction. You got the, you got the phrase in your mind, right? There's a group of people and they say to an individual, we got you surrounded. That's kind of the nuance of this word. That stuff that has us surrounded, ensnared, thwarted. We can't move. We can't do anything. We're just like hampered. That sin that so easily entangles, that so skillfully surrounds our lives. You know what that sin is that you like to lean into when you give in to your flesh. You know that sin that likes to surround you that likes to thwart your commitment to Jesus. 
It's not the same for each and every one of us. Not that, sure, in a a group this size, there's some of us who share uh, similar sort of uh, sins that are easily entangling. But it's personal, it's unique. And you know what it is. You might be even thinking about it right now. It might be on your heart. It might be, might be again, something that's kind of weighing you down. And the writer of Hebrews encourages us to lay aside, let it fall off. It's, it's funny, it's, it's an, it's more, it is an exhortation. It's, it's an exhortation for us to do something. But I also think it's somewhat of an invitation. It's an invitation for us to embrace the way of Jesus and let all of this stuff fall to the wayside because it is not in our best interest. Whether it's something that's just a mass that's weighing us down, that we can't get over, that we're, just, that we're just focused on, fixated on, or it's something that is actually a sin that has us surrounded so that we feel like we just can't take a, the next step forward in our relationship with Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says, lay it aside, let it go, let it go. And we know from scripture that if we come to our father and we confess our sin, we know that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, to purify us from all unrighteousness. He's there, he meets us with grace, not judgment. So when we recognize those things and we confess to those things and we repent of those things that have us surrounded, that are thwarting our spiritual growth, then God is there with his grace and power to offer forgiveness and and reconciliation and also empowerment to move in the direction that he wants us to. So whether it's just like the weight of something that's holding you back or a sin that's got you thwarted, lay it aside today. Let it go. Leave it with your heavenly father so that you can what? You can run the race. That's the point. (laughs) The point of our lives is that we are in this thing of a race. He uses the imagery of a race for us. And I would suggest to you that there's two kind of aspects that that the writer of Hebrews is going to comment on. First, he's going to comment on the manner in which we run. He says, we should run the race with endurance. With endurance. That word is uh, such a powerful word, the word hupomone. It means cheerful or hopeful endurance, constancy, enduring patience, a a patient continuance. In the New Testament, it refers to the characteristic of one who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety, even by the greatest trials and sufferings. When you, do, when, you, when you do that deep dive into that word and you recognize that's what it means, that's one of the reasons that I think we can cl- conclude that the writer of Hebrews is asking us to look at the people in chapter 11 and the faithful witnesses in all the church's history more than them looking at us. Look at their example and, 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 and be, be motivated and model that. Be one of those persons who cannot be swerved from our purpose of following Jesus. We cannot be moved. We will not step off that path. Why? Because it is the way of life. It's not what I would have chosen for myself, but God, out of his grace, chose me for it. By faith, I received his invitation. 
By his grace, he's placed me on this way, this way of Jesus following. And so my, my desire, what the, what the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage them to, to see is have this, this deliberate purpose, this incredible, um, absolute loyalty to the faith, no matter what you might be facing, no matter what, what, what trials and sufferings that might be in your way, might be coming your way. And we know that there are things, we know again that life, that's the reason we have all of those examples in Hebrews 11 of the incredible adversity that those individuals, those Christians, those, those God followers faced. We know that life can be difficult. And so when we run the race, we run it with endurance. This race, this walk with Jesus, it is not, God is not so much concerned for those of you who have a little bit of an athletic bent. He's not so much concerned with our 40, with our 40 time. It's not really that concerned with that in terms of our spiritual growth and progress. Not that that's unimportant, but God is concerned about our ability to be able to maintain over the long haul. Spiritually, we're all called to be ultra marathoners. I've had the, either the good fortune or the insanity to do a few marathons in my later years, I think I did my first one when I was like 48-ish or something like that. And I started five, and by the grace of God, I finished all five. But the last one I did was the absolute worst one. For those of you who do some long-distance running, you know that weather has a great impact on your body. Once you get past that 16, 18, 20-mile mark, and man, the last marathon I, I ran, I was for sure convinced that there was no way I was going to finish it. It was hot. I felt terrible. I wanted to lay down and cry. I just was, I was like out of my mind. I just was ridiculously terrible, right? But I just, there came a point in which I said, and I had to walk some, which is incredibly humiliating for those of you who have done uh, some long distance running. But I, but I, but I just, there was this, this point in which I said, you know, in my mind, I was just like, ah, I don't want to like, this is, I don't want to be a quitter, right? You know? You know, sometimes you just get that base level, kind of whatever motivates you. Like, I don't want somebody to think I couldn't do it. And that's not exactly what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here in terms of running the race with endurance. It's more about leaning more into the power that God has for us more than our resolve, right? But what we do is we resolve to trust in the power of God so that we can stay on the course, so that we can be loyal, we can be unswerved, so to speak, from that deliberate purpose, even though we might have incredible trials and sufferings. Commenting on those trials and sufferings brings us to the second aspect of the race. You run the race with endurance. You don't stop. You're on it forever. And secondly, the route of the race is the one that lies before us. In fact, as some translations say, the race marked out for us. Like when you show up to any race, I don't care whether it's like you're in track and they're like, it's time for the 400. And you're like, I'm gonna run my 400 over here on the football field, you guys go ahead and run it around the track. They're like, no, you can't do that. You show up for the 5K and you're like, well, I like this route of the 5K better than the route that you've laid out for the 5K, so I'm going to do my own 5K, but I want you to time it. No. It's the race that we've marked out for you. That's the race that you got to run. 
And runners can get super geeky and nerdy about this stuff. They look at the rate course maps and they say where there's the, the, the slightest uh, change in elevation and turns and all that kind of stuff. You get they can get really nerdy about this kind of stuff, right? Really geek out on it pretty hard. But this, this idea of the race that lies before us, I think is an important thing because here's the thing. You're not called to run my race and my, I'm not gonna run yours. That doesn't mean at times we don't run together, but you are gonna face unique challenges that I may never face. And guess what? I may have some that you don't face. Some of you are going through things right now and you wouldn't have chosen them before you, but it's in the race that lies before you. You wouldn't have chosen them. You wouldn't, this maybe wouldn't have been the way that you wanted your life to end up. Maybe there's pain, maybe there's suffering. Maybe there's a medical diagnosis that you're, that's really racked, kind of rocked your world. Whatever that might be, the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, you gotta run the race that's your race. You gotta run the race that, in a sense, I think he's implying the race that God has marked out for you. That's the race you run with endurance. Stay on your course, stay on your path and run that race and run that race with endurance. That idea of running that race that lies before us with endurance, it's, it's such a, a powerful metaphor. One of my uh, favorite guys, one of my persons that I look to, kind of one of those cloud of witnesses is a guy by the name of Eugene Peterson. Some of you know Eugene Peterson as the guy who did the translation of the Bible into a paraphrase known as the message. Um, he wrote a book, uh, this is the 20th anniversary edition, I, I'd commend it to you, it's, uh, it's one that's called a long, obedient, a long Obedience in the Same Direction, sounds a lot like this passage, doesn't it? A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, Discipleship in an Instant Society. And speaking about perseverance, Peterson, after he uh, quotes these verses from Hebrews chapter one and, or verses one and two of chapter 12, he says, some of, these early Christ, some of those early Christians this writer was addressing had been complaining, apparently, that life was too rough for them. They couldn't hold out any longer. Complaints that are, from time to time, heard in every congregation, he says, by the way. They didn't see the use in believing in a God they never saw, Serving a God who didn't give them what they want. Trusting a God who let babies die and good people suffer. Do we ever deal with those kind of issues and questions in our faith? There is, Peterson says, somewhat of a no-nonsense slap of reality in the words that this writer addressed to them. Quoting his paraphrase of verse three, he says, in this all out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you to say nothing of what Jesus went through. All that bloodshed. Which brings us to this last thing about the idea of how it is that we stay the course. We stay the course as we keep our eyes on Jesus because he is the pioneer, the author, our translation, the source and perfecter of our faith. He's the one who invited us into it. He's the one who made the way for us to receive, to receive life in relationship with his father. He is the one who is perfecting us and so it is him 
that we lock in on. So it's kind of like, I, I love how the writer of Hebrews kind of, kind of takes two different things. First, he says, yeah, excuse me, you got to get some perspective. You got to look around at all these people and, and see this, these great heroes of the faith. But now he's telling us, you got to lock in on one person. Primarily that one, there, there's, a, there's a primary person that you need to observe and you need to lock in on Jesus. You know what, some of you again who have a little bit of an ba- uh, athletic background, that sometimes commentators will say so about some particular person who's having an incredible game, whatever sport it might be, they'll be like, they, that person is locked in right now. They can't do anything wrong. They can't miss a shot. They can't, they can't, can't get, they're not gonna give up a hit. Every time they swing the bat, it, it's like hit hard. They are locked in. And I think for, for us spiritually, there is this invitation for us to, to, to lock in on the person of Jesus, to fix our eyes on him, to focus on him. Be reminded of what those verses say as we wrap up in verses two and three there, where, where scripture says, for the joy that, set before, that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, that is Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and you will not lose heart. Some translations, you will not give up because you stay the course. Because that's what we've been called to as followers of Jesus. The gift of the family of God, the community of saints is such an incredible gift for us to look around us and see their faithfulness, to see their perseverance, to see their commitment. All of us have today things in our lives, if we were honest with each other, with ourselves and with the Lord, there are some things that we could shed. There's some mass in our life that's unnecessary. There's some sin that has the tendency to thwart your progress. God's inviting you to shed that today. It's not coming so much in a judgmental way. It's coming in a gracious way, like I said. An invitation to shed that. A spiritual catharsis, if you will. So that you can run the race as you were intended to run. Free from those encumbrances unsurrounded by those things that would thwart your progress and you're running it, your race, the race marked out for you with endurance. You do that by locking in on the person of Jesus, considering the kind of opposition he faced in the race of his life. And in doing so and locking in on him, You will not grow weary. You will not lose heart. You will not give up. You will stay the course. Thanks be to God that Jesus stayed the course. May we live in that same reality. Certainly not to the same extent, I understand. But may we live in the same reality that Jesus did when he, again, reminds us that he didn't come, in fact, to do his will, but he came to do the will of his father.
May that be our attitude as well as we stay the course in him. Would you stand with me? Before the worship team leads us in our closing song, I'd like to pray. Pray us into that. So bow your heads with me if you would. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the gift of salvation that comes in Jesus and in him alone. Thank you for the invitation that you've given us into a way of leading our life. And God, that's challenging. Our flesh, the world, our enemy, Satan himself, there are lots of things working against us. But that doesn't change the fact, God, that we know that you desire for us to stay the course in Jesus. So God, I pray for each of us individually and for all of us collectively that we might spend some time reflecting on the faithfulness of saints that some of them may be in this room, some of them may, may be part of our life from years ago, certainly some of the examples that we have from the scriptural record as well. May we be reminded of their faithfulness and may that inspire us to run the race that you've marked out for us with an I'm not gonna quit attitude with a perseverant spirit. Whatever we need to shed today, God, whatever's weighing us down, whatever's got us surrounded, we give it to you. We thank, we thank you, Lord, that you receive that as our Father and return it with forgiveness, restoration, and empowerment. Help us to continue to lock in on the person of your Son. We thank you for all that he has done for us, what he is doing, and what he will continue to do as we look forward to the new heaven and the new earth. As we live in this one, help us to stay the course. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.